and welcome to the second podcast from Make More Noise with me, Sobri Maid. And me, DJ Lippe. Welcome to New Year. Happy New Year. Happy and Merry New Christmas. Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, good Kwanzaa, whatever you've been celebrating over the holidays. I hope it's been lovely. Um, what did you get up to over the holidays? I sat on the sofa and ate Pringles, basically. What I do every year. I sat on the sofa and ate Quality Street. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best way did you do anything for new year's no i stayed in and sulked <laughs> i stayed in as well um but because i usually like i try to make something happen with my mates but because i didn't organize it nothing happened nothing got done but I, I spent it with my family actually and i've not done that for a few years that was quite nice we played some games watched a bit of jewels well it's nice you go out and it costs you a fortune to get in anywhere and yeah then, like it's all the amateur hour when everybody who doesn't go out in the rest of the year goes out that one night and yeah. really drunk amateur hour for going out <laughs> it is <laughs> outside is members only yeah it's expensive though taxes are like 50 quid getting home and oh i like, know i'm not it's not it's not worth it anymore so no. um do you have any new year's resolutions I've got feminist or non-feminist i've got several okay. which i shouldn't ever do because they never work but basically um go on twitter less <laughs> good luck uh, yeah i've deleted it off my phone you saw me i did you literally did it just now um yeah i think um when you have a feminist you can get drawn into the into the twitter and spend a lot of time on there and it's brilliant for networking like mm. you know if it wasn't for twitter i don't think we'd be here recording this podcast oh no i definitely you i know? met you through twitter and loads yeah. of other incredible women through twitter um and it is brilliant but i think i need to stop going on twitter um i've lost a couple of accounts on the twitter for being quite a vocal feminist and each time i lost my account i went off and did something in the real world um so less time on twitter more time actually producing making things writing articles doing things in real life because twitter only takes you so far and then you have to realize that you're actually just addicted yeah. to to the program as it's been designed you oh, get a yeah. little notification and you get a little buzz of endorphins that reward system yeah refresh refresh bleep bleep block block yeah. yeah so i need to do it less um also i'm getting quite popular again now and i need to be careful about what i say because as soon as i start getting popular somebody sees me and then i just get my account shut down <laughs> so um yeah less less twitter is my new year's resolution mm. what about you um I've, well last year i try not to do new year's resolutions like hard and fast ones because inevitably you never keep them and then you're always disappointed and there's like a whole shame cycle but i try and just have a bit of a philosophical new approach so a couple of years ago i did one i just thought right this year i'm just gonna give less fucks and um and it was really freeing actually i mean like obviously you need to like care about things like car insurance um <laughs> but it was stuff like should i wear those eccentric trousers for work and yeah, I was like, just wear them. Yeah, just yeah. wear them. So I did that yeah. and it was great. And then last year, I really wanted to reconnect with feminism because I was a bit of a hellraiser at uni and stuff like that. And then it just fell by the wayside, as these things do. Um, but yeah, so I really reconnected with that over the past year. It met wonderful people like yourself and loads of other incredible got a blog i got a podcast i do got a blog a podcast and this year i've been I bought a couple of books went on a bit of a spree the other day so i bought um i bought the uh chimamanda ngozi adichie hope i've pronounced that correctly we should all be feminists yeah, a little pamphlet. <laughs> how, do, how do you pronounce it oh don't ask me okay <laughs> um i've bought some gail dines books i bought cordelia fine delusions of gender um and a couple of others and i'm really looking forward to reading them so you're going to learn a little bit more technically about feminism yeah yeah like, i hope read so the books because i mean as feminists like we kind of we live th 
the theory, I suppose, in our practice, but we don't necessarily have the engines of that thinking behind it. So it's kind of, it's quite good. It's, it's solidifying a lot of things I felt like I already knew and it's allowing me to distill them into coherent arguments as well. So I, I quite am looking forward to that. No, it's good to read theories of things that you found in your life but somebody putting words to things that you've maybe thought about in a vague way in your mind having a, having the language and the um, underpinning to speak more confidently about things and to understand things in a more structural way mm, mm. things that you might think are personal to you you might realize actually this is because abc yeah so in lieu of a proper agony ant section, we're just going to do a bit of general advice for the new year. So uh, what, what's your general advice? I think I know it. Don't go on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and be kinder on Twitter though as well. I think yeah. we, we, we're a bit cruel on Twitter because if you just say a nice quantified statement, you don't get as many likes and you're addicted to the, to the little buzz you get when somebody likes something. So mm. just be mindful there's somebody else at the other end of of the keyboard and you might not agree with them but you know you wouldn't speak that way in person in a face-to-face -face situation so try not to speak that way on twitter mm. because they are real people um and it's just not it's not bringing the conversation along further yeah so be a bit kinder or don't go on social media <laughs> um i suppose my advice is uh uh, to to connect a bit more, connect. So I suppose it kind of goes hand in hand with yours. Connect a bit more with real people if you can. Doing real life, real life things and um, speaking to people in real life and uh, it improve your posture. That's also my other one. Sit up straight. <laughs> I know because my posture is terrible. You need to do some Pilates. I do. I do. I do. Um, so that's our advice. If you have any other advice or want to let us know about your new year's resolutions feminist or non-feminist maybe you're you've decided to read mod walking maybe you've decided to donate time to a women's shelter or to um mary stopes clinic escort thing or or whatever do just let us know tweet us at make more noise one or send us an email at make.more.noise.mank at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you yeah if you want to write an article if you like new year's resolution is to write more and to actually get off twitter and write an article and you want to write something for us drop us a line let us know we're looking for new contributors. Anytime you wanna, you wanna, um, yeah, get involved. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, for the next section, we're gonna talk about two issues. We've decided to go off and research our own little piece of uh, feminist concern, I suppose. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Fifty Shades of Grey defence. Um, this is something that came off the back a, mil a multimillionaire was um, found guilty of manslaughter and he was sentenced to three years after um, killing his girlfriend. She was found with over 40 separate injuries. Um, she was uh, killed by blunt force trauma and acute alcohol poisoning. In his defence, he said that she was into rough sex, they were having rough sex and it just got out of hand. Um which, quite frankly, I think is bullshit. Uh, he, f he poured bleach in her eyes. Uh, it, it's, it, it's absolutely disgusting. He just left her for dead at the bottom of the stairs, came back 12 hours later, called the, called the ambulance, said she was dead as a donut. And he's basically got, got off of it. 
three years in jail. How how long is he going to serve in jail before he gets out? 18 months, isn't it? 18 months. You only ever serve half your sentence or something. Um, basically, a couple of their friends said that they used to have uh, rough sex and they talked about it. So he's gone to the to the you know the criminal justice system and used it as a mitigating circumstances. Um, obviously, feminists are up in arms. Harriet Harman was written to the Attorney General um, and she called it the Fifty Shades of Grey defence. Basically, she's saying that, you know, she's not here to defend herself. She can't say that she didn't consent to it. Um, and it, this is like an, an ongoing problem in the, in the, in the criminal justice system um, where women have been murdered by their partners and then they've said that they consented to it. We were having rough sex and it got out of hand. So um, I went online and I found a really good website called we can't consent to this.uk. And it's got a list of all the cases where it's been used as a mitigating circumstance. And there's about 70 cases so far right. where where it's been used. Now, it hasn't always worked, um, but in a lot of them, they've managed to get the, the sentence reduced down from murder to manslaughter. Um, and uh, to me, I just, I just think this is terrifying. It's the latest iteration of, you know, sh- nagging wife syndrome, um, another way that guys can just evade invade evade justice right that that website is quite new isn't it wasn't it is it i've I've got in my head that it was either set up or brought to prominence after a particularly notable case in the media yes it was i think it was in reaction to this case yeah yeah, yeah. they've decided to just collate all the details because they're out there they're just not no one's showing the dots and putting them all together yeah yeah um but i i was actually really interested in this from from the perspective of the kink community, because mm. to me, I feel like this is this should be of a real concern to them because mm. it's basically giving the partners a blank check to murder them, mm. and then they can say, "Well, no, we go to swinging clubs. Like this is what we're into." I mean, by all circumstances, this Natalie Connolly, poor woman, she there's not not really a lot of evidence that she was into of sex. It's just on the say so of a couple of witnesses. Mm. So heaven forfend if you are actually in one of these communities. Um, how can you stop yourself from? being murdered by your partner mm. i don't know if you can so <laughs> i decided i wanted to f- i was thinking about writing an article and i wanted to learn a bit more so i went on this um feminist group that i'm in um and they were a little bit of a they were a little bit i'd call them woke is what i would call <laughs> them um and they, they, they often have posts about consent and things like this so i thought i'll go on here and i'll do a little message try and get the conversation started mm. so i put a message out saying is anybody else concerned about the way that defence attorneys are using the rough sex, rough sex defence in murder trials? There's a brilliant website which lists all the times this has been used and there, there are a lot. And then I put out the website. Women have been encouraged to empower ourselves with kink and BDSM, BDSM but now our sexuality is being used against us, which I can't say I am all that surprised about. I'd be interested in hearing from anyone in the kink community about their take on this. Basically, I feel like the criminal justice system has given a blank check for their murder. If you consent to rough sex, then a lawyer can argue you consented to your own death. Is this something that is of concern to those in the community? How will they mitigate for this? If anyone knows where I can learn more about this from the perspective of the BDSM community, I'd be really interested for links or a chat. Which I think is pretty... Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got my ass handed to me on a plate. Um, basically, the admin kind of got involved, said she didn't like the tone. She thought it was kink shaming. 
I was told that it was wrong to ask people to out themselves, that it had nothing to do with BDSNM, like stop blaming kink for it. You know, you c- it's like saying to a, a woman who goes out in a short skirt that she's to blame for yeah. her own rape. And it just wasn't what I was going. Like, does that does that come across like I was not trying to I understand that maybe people not wanting to out themselves and I get that but you never asked them to be public you said they could drop you a message and stuff but maybe they don't want to out themselves that way either I don't know but yeah I think we you can't just bury your head in the sand in this like stuff doesn't exist in isolation it you know the it, it, it just doesn't um I feel like you could get away with anything if you put kink in front of it. We've got we've got um, so much emphasis on like individual choice and individualism now in mainstream feminism and there's just no critical analysis of a collective group having collective interests because they are collectively having their rights stamped upon. Well, I, this was my problem. I wasn't even blaming the BDSM community. Yeah, I was yeah. literally just like, I'm really concerned for women within those communities who now are particularly liable for abuse, basically. Yeah. Isn't the criminal justice system giving them a blank check? I was up for actually having a conversation about... Um, how to mitigate it, what can they do? Yeah. I was basically just giving a lecture about consent, but that wasn't what I was asking about. I'm not talking about having a S&M sex session that gets out of hand. I'm talking about people using your propen- propensity for having S&M sex as a justification to murder you. Yeah, yeah. How, you know? how, how do you consent? Who consents to having bleach poured in their eyes? Exactly, like, who would who would consent to that? Do I need to write a consent contract with everything that I don't consent to? Yeah, well, um, people would say that um i believe in some in the bdsm communities people who take it seriously do do that yep. but then like what's to say for somebody taking advantage of it with this isn't shaming the bdsm community though uh, to be honest i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm trying to be neutral but i'm gonna give serious side eye to anyone who can maintain an erection whilst hitting a woman to be honest but it's not about shaming the bdsm community it's about loopholes that abusive men will exploit because we know that abusive men will always find loopholes to exploit if those loopholes exist and using kinky sex as a defense in murder is a loophole yeah and i just i think we should be addressed and instead of everybody getting defensive about it and attacking me uh (laughs) yeah like i got it in the neck so badly i was like i'm not kink shaming i'm the opposite of kink shaming i'm kink protecting um that's not a thing, but it should be. <laughs> um, you know, and these things shouldn't happen. Um, R.V. Brown was a famous case in the 1990s. You're not allowed to consent to such extreme acts. There have yeah. been precedents set because the S&M community does push the law because people do consent to being physically harmed. And the law has understood this and taken mindfulness of it. But at the end of the day it's it's gone too far now and it's it's once again it's women's sexuality you know we'll empower yourself with all this stuff okay brilliant but the law won't see it that way will it yeah you'll just be a slag again and i think it's it's very telling in this whole thing that i mean is it reams and reams of men that are being killed and that women are using the kinky sex defense for could it be no of course it's not of course it's women being killed by men again like it's a collective group that have collective interests that are being trampled on by the collective group known as men yeah so i it was a bit of an eye-opener for me about a certain type of feminist and how it's always about just making excuses for everything okay do you want to see this this is quite funny (laughs) so the next day somebody put a post up and i think it was aimed at me 
right? This is what the post says. Things that feminists don't make you... Think, okay, things that don't make you less of a feminist. Being in a loving relationship. BDSM. Being submissive. Wearing makeup. Being a housewife. Wearing dresses. High heels. Shaving. Things that do make you less of a feminist. Shaming women for doing any of these things. That is absolute bullshit. Right, this really pisses me off. Um, I, I didn't actually know you were going to read that out. And this is just like, this pisses me off. Just, women aren't immune from criticism from other women. We Like saying, shaming other women for doing these things makes you less of a feminist is absolute bullshit. Obviously, I don't want to shame anybody. But we need to be asking difficult questions about why it is that only women do these things. Why is it that only women wear high heels? Why is it that only women have to shave or put on makeup before they can go outside? It's... <laughs> right, I just... I read this thing just now and I really want to read it out if I can find it. It's in this book that um, I got years ago called Who's Afraid of Feminism? Seeing Through the Backlash. It's um, a collection of essays edited by Anne Oakley and Juliet Mitchell. And... Oh, God, where is it? Where is it? Um, and I just want to read it out. The politics of feminism has to expose and eradicate the misogyny that is inherent within feminist itself. Feminism itself... Yet, this is a complex task. In the time of a backlash, feminism must engage in particular struggle against a cultural tendency towards misogyny. So, like, you lit- there is anti-feminism within feminism itself. And you can't just say, oh, you can't criticise women because they're women. You need to look at the context that these decisions are being made in. Well, no, they're all criticising me as well for criticising, yeah. for asking questions about how to protect women in the BDSM community. Yeah. So, you know... Like, it doesn't make you less of a feminist because you wear makeup, but I'm not going to pretend that my choice to wear red lipstick helps every woman. Uh, <laughs> like, it's choice feminism, isn't it? Yeah. I just, I just really just want to get the dick wet. That's what, that's what my, <laughs> my big take of, of choice feminism. Sorry, sorry. Um, kink shame well, in there. But we'd I'm love to hear really. your views um, on this. Definitely, drop us a line. Let us know. Point us uh, in the direction of any further reading. I have to say, I was really shocked when I heard about this case. Like, I, I found it really shocking and distressing, and I'm glad that the we can't con- we don't consent to this or we can't consent to this. People are, are collating some information because I think it's important to document this um, for Natalie Connolly yeah. and all the other women. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So a bit somber. I'm also about to talk about something else somber. So um, last month. You may have read the piece on our website, um, but, or you may just know generally that Tumblr decided to uh, ban adult content on its website. So Tumblr has a really interesting history. I won't go into it all now, but you can read it. It's on the Make More Noise website. Um, no more rough and Tumblr. Tumblr bans porn. Um, yeah, so Tumblr was different from other social networking sites in that it always allowed adult content. So a certain type of user flocked to it in tandem with the users that it was also aimed at, you know, 14, 15 year olds. So, the, you know, there's questions as to why a website ever allowed adult content to be in the same place that 15 and 14 year olds were visiting anyway. Well, it's, very, it's very much targeted to that age group, Tumblr, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very arty. Um but um yeah that is a very long conversation for another time but it got me thinking about pornography more generally so the problems that tumblr had we had its problems were twofold one that um the adult filter so the the uh the adult content also had like guidelines you couldn't post adult content that was against the law so for example images of child sexual exploitation so these images were getting through the adult filter onto the adult part of the website but 
secondary to that as well, the filter for child content was allowing adult content through. So kids are seeing adult content and adults are seeing illegal content. And then because of that filter through system, some kids were also seeing images of child sexual exploitation too. So it decided to get rid of it all. The, I go into more depth and to the um, and into the background of porn bots and stuff like that on Tumblr in the article. But I just wanted to talk about pornography more generally, and it's yeah, I've been thinking about. Are you it are you in favour? A lot. <sighs> no, I don't think I am anymore, and uh, I, you know I'm at risk of outing myself as a, as one of those choice feminists as I was <laughs> many years ago, but. I d- you know I, I I used to I used to watch it but it was um occasionally but it, I always found at the time I found it really hard to actually find pornography that wasn't really horrible and really distressing to watch as well that should have been a red flag if you spend an hour looking for a video that doesn't make you cry then you're probably not something <laughs> that you should be doing yeah yeah I realize that now and I've been um listening to and reading a lot of Gail Dines as well um she's a feminist academic uh she's from the uk but she lives in america now and she's written about pornography she's done a ted talk as well about the pornification of culture and she did another talk recently that i watched part of which is about postmodernism postmodernism and how these all interlink um and i just found the postmodernism thing quite interesting as well that we live in such a fragmented and individualistic society of course we don't see pornography as being a problem if we think that everybody's choosing to do it when we know that that's not the case um pornography is built on the backs of trafficked and abused women and i know that there are women who actively choose to do it and that's great but just because an individual woman has chosen to do it doesn't mean that the industry as a whole is not exploitative have you ever seen the netflix documentary hot girls wanted no it's been on my list for ages okay so that's one of the reasons why i stopped watching porn was actually watching documentaries about it and there's no way they can spin it it's just horribly Mm. abusive the girls do choose to go out there they're kind of trafficked you know they see on a website you can earn loads of money if you come out yeah they don't Mm -hmm. last more than three months that's like the life cycle of a of a a porn star right most of the girls go there very young very naive they do it for like three months and then they just go back home wherever wherever they've come from Mm. keep a girl in the porn industry the ones that do make it you know the the top stars mm. um are very few and far between um if you if, if you've got the netflix go and check it out um if you watch porn you probably won't watch it after after watching the documentary it's horrific uh basically how they break them in is there's um they break them in with like forced blowjob um, mm. it's horrific mm. this is this is almost like a hazing thing for them mm. um and then it's sort of uphill from then onwards. Mm. But to get started in it, because it's such a violent industry nowadays, you have to start off doing really violent stuff. And it, it's just, yeah. it breaks your heart to watch it, you know. I want to talk about that a little bit as well, about how violent it is and how that is the norm. You know, on any given, oh God, I sent you that thing um, where you can see a live view of um, uh, porn search, search yeah, terms. Yeah, sorry, sorry, DJ Levy, but it just like it came up on my thing, and so um, if you do want to check it out, like I mean, you don't have to, but it's quite shocking. Um, the website is um, it's www.pornmd.com forward slash live dash search, and I watched for about three minutes, 
and I really just want to read out some of the terms. Um, users of, of listeners of a delicate disposition, you may want to mute now. But this, like, this is the reality of it that we don't see. We get we get fed all these stories that women want to do it, and it's a choice, and I'm sure it is for some women. But like, th- this is the reality of what people are searching for. Mom jerks off son. Um, big ass fart sex. Um, rough boob squeeze. Teen street public. Ebony nasty. Um, abortion punch. Um, yeah, yeah. Face down anal. Hurting from big cock. Ebony anal BDSM. Korean. Teen beauty fitness. So tied up babe. Fuck. So there's like a lot of violent terms and a lot of terms relating to incest and to uh, underage girls. And that and that really worries me. And it's changed, and I, and I also. It's an escalation, though. Yeah. Because you know, once you've seen two people having sex, that should be it, really. Isn't yeah. It? That's what porn is, but no, you've got to get worse and worse. Martillation. Yeah. That's normal thing, and then you've got to have a threesome. Yeah. You know. And so I'm I'm in my late twenties, so I we, at school I wasn't at school with smartphones, but the rise of like internet phones we sort of had internet phones but it was really really crap and you had to have a special plan that your parents probably wouldn't pay for if you wanted to go on the internet and stuff like that on your phone and we had like camera phones and stuff so I'm, I miss this kind of the age that a lot of school kids have now where you can access the most horrific point within a few clicks and school kids are seeing this stuff all the time and um, a lot of experts, the NSPCC and people like that have attributed there's been a rise in child-on-child sexual assault in schools that's been documented over the past few years. And 30,000 30, uh, school children are raped a year. 30,000 children are raped yeah. a year. Uh, by their peers, is that? Yeah, that is that, that's shocking. Um, and um, experts are attributing part of this, they're not saying pornography is the whole problem, but part of this is due to the proliferation in pornography amongst young people and so when I was in school it wasn't as bad but I remember like there'd be maybe a few magazines about but I remember and this just occurred to me this morning when I was thinking about what we talk about today on the podcast so I remember somebody finding a phone that had a video on and it was that like crappy little pixelated I don't know if you remember like 12 years ago or whatever the pixelated videos and it was porn and we found it in the common room we were like oh my god and we were all watching it as well just because it was you know it was just like yeah yeah and it was because it was weird and it was new and it was shocking and we couldn't believe that there was porn on it and we all knew what porn was and we all knew what sex was but we were just like we were just curious to watch it and we all assumed that it was somebody's phone somebody had left it and they would all be too embarrassed to say now but i'm thinking and it occurred to me this morning you know what kid is has that like what kids parents are buying that special plan for their kids to go on the internet because my school wasn't that sort of school and it was really expensive to go back on the internet back then that phone probably belonged to a member of staff and I got that realization like a light bulb this morning that phone probably belonged to a member of staff and kids found it and that was about like 12 years ago and yeah um I mean I just and to, and to go back to the idea, you know, maybe not every single porn actor or actress who's in the industry is being exploited. Feminist porn, they say. I keep hearing about this feminist porn. I've seen some of it, right? And it's better. It is better. There's no crying women. But ultimately, the industry itself is still built on the backs of trafficked and abused women. You know, when we decided to outlaw child slavery, 
you know, I'm sure there was probably maybe 14 year old somewhere who was getting a decent deal from working and getting a wage and all of this. But we recognised that it was a net poor to society, that child slavery is a net bad for everybody involved. Pornography is a net bad for women. Well, I just, I, the way I see it, which I, again, I'm a former consumer of it myself, just seeing it getting worse and worse mm. and worse. And I, I think it's propaganda. That's the only, that's the way we need to start talking about it and thinking about it. It's anti-woman propaganda. That's mm. what it is. Because mm. if there was another group of people that were being treated this way, um, you would damn well not be able to publish it. But because it's women and because it's porn, because, again, because you put kink in front of it or sexuality, it's almost like there's something innate about it, like people are entitled to get off on whatever they want to get off on. It's natural to buy access to women's bodies. Like, this is not natural. It's not normal. It's not... It's not innate. There's no right for you to watch violent pornography. And it's anti-woman propaganda. And it's, do you know what? It's racist as anything. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. Um, which people, people have more problems with the racial issues than they do with the, with the blatant misogyny that's apparent in it. Mm. You know? um, but it is, it's really racist as well. Yeah. The Gail Dines talk is called It's a TED Talk Growing Up in a Pornified Culture. I would recommend giving that a watch. Um, there's also uh, the other talk that she did on postmodernism and fragmentation, and you can kind of see how they connect to one another. Is. Oh, hang on. I think it's just if you search just Gail Dines, um, postmodernism, it should come up. Let's just Gail Dines, Gail Dines TED Talk. So you'll get yeah this other one. Oh, here we are gail dines it was this one wasn't a ted talk it was at another event but it's gail dines on post postmodernism and neoliberalism and i would recommend uh giving that a watch if you have any other comments questions or any other recommended reading on pornography please do point us in the right direction um we'd love to hear from you um if you really disagree with us you know let us know let's get a robust conversation going i recognize that people are individuals and have choices but I suppose, I don't know about you, DJ Lippy, but my feminism is coming from a place of we can't ignore collective interests for the pursuit of the individual. Well, no, you've got to have a balance between individual liberty and uh, greater good of society. And mm. If you want to have a libertarian society, uh, it only applies to certain aspects, uh, especially something in the left. A lot of leftists think that you can have, um, somehow you've got individual choice when it comes to prostitution and porn but in other areas then you've got to talk about the greater good and whether or not you can just do whatever you want so I think we've got to have that conversation in other areas and think about the good to society as a whole rather than just what an individual might want to do definitely two serious topics there but do let us know if you have any thoughts it's uh, make more noise one on twitter or make.more.noise.mank at gmail.com let us know we'd love to hear from you So, um, I went to the Manchester Feminist Network Christmas party, and I won the quiz, knowing the most about feminism, Woo! and they gave me a Women Who Dare pack, it's a pack of brilliant women throughout history, um, so we're going to try a new fun game, maybe it's going to be a section, we're still trying things out, aren't we? So I'm going to shuffle these wonderful women, and I'm going to randomly give you one, who have we got this week? This time we have got Therese Bonnie, I have never heard of this woman. Um, 1894 to 1978. As an American operating her own news photo service in Paris between the two world wars. I have heard of her. Therese Bonnie got so exasperated with the lacklustre work of her employees that she took matters into her own hands. 
or as she puts it, I got me a camera and got to it. I think that would have been a vice. With Europe's again sliding into war, Bonnie proved a canny and intrepid reporter of military events. But her real interests became what she called truth raids, from which she amassed a powerful and unprecedented photographic record of modern warfare's effects on civilians, especially children. Collected in the 1943 book Europe's Children, Bonnie's photographs jolted even a war-weary world and still attest to both her deep humanity and her skill as a visual communicator. Following the war, Bonnie returned to her primary interest, Franco-US cultural exchange, which had first taken her to France. She became a well-known figure in art and literary circles and a noted collector, curator and exhibitor of art. A film treatment she wrote based on Europe's children inspired the 1947 MGM motion picture The Search, which I have seen, which is really good. Therese Bonnie. I think I've seen some of her photos on Tumblr of all places because oh, I'm obsessed with the site for 15-year-olds. But there's some cool stuff on Tumblr if you know which tags to search. You can come up with like, you know, lesser known heroes and stuff. I think I've seen some of her photos, but I didn't put two and two together. What's her name again? Therese Bonney. Therese Bonney. Yeah, B-O-N-N-E-Y. Yeah, just go and search it online. Yeah. And you've got the internet, aren't you guys? You cool. Know how, you know how the internet works. I'll, I'll, um, I'll have a look. I want to watch the search again now. I'll have a look at that. That's really cool. For our last bit, um, we're going to give a shout out to events and things like that coming up and any other feminist news that uh, has been catching our eye this week. So some of you might know that week beginning 26th of January, actually, I think it's a Saturday, to the 2nd of February, um, there's been a hashtag women stand up and we're being encouraged women or women people who are women adjacent uh, supporters of women stand up for a week of action so some suggestions are have a meeting with your mp i think i'm gonna write to my mp actually i'm gonna write to him uh, i've had a meeting with my mp oh yeah angela Rayner. oh yeah yeah she didn't like what i had to say <laughs> okay so i'm not meeting her again <laughs> um but uh, maybe maybe try your own MP as well. <laughs> uh, try yeah, visit your child's school if you've got children. Um, you know, a freedom of information request your council for stuff that you want to know about. How are they addressing women's issues? What sort of tangible change have they made for women in their jurisdiction? Yeah, same with police force, schools, universities, NHS. Um, you know, flyering, write a letter to your paper. You know, speak about what's been bothering you over the past year. Um, speak up about it. Get some things going about it go and visit the, the suffragette statues that we talked about last time um do let us know if you have any questions or comments make more noise one on twitter or make dot more dot noise dot mank at gmail.com we would love to hear from you